BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Myself, Juwan, your host. Um, but also, let me introduce Mike. What's going on, Mike? Wait a minute. You guys aren't the real Avengers. I can tell. Juwan gives it away. <laughs> <laughs> I have I'm a on that one. face, so I definitely do give that, aw- that one away. Um, also, Tia, what's going on, Tia? I am doing just great today, guys. Um, I hope I sound all right. I don't have my usual sound bars that I use whenever I talk to you guys, so I hope everything kind of sounds good. Yeah, sounds good on, on my end. Definitely sounds good. Um, and welcoming the newest member to the Geek Vibes Nation family. I'm pretty sure this gentleman is already tired of hearing that, but I'm super <laughs> excited to have him. Uh, Mark, what's going on, Mark? How you guys doing? I'm glad to be here. And I'm um, pretty glad that this is uh, a movie that I've actually seen, so I didn't have to prep in three days. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, it, it was funny because I just rewatched it the other day, and I was like, I'm really glad I rewatched it because like I don't think my defense would have been as strong. I probably would have agreed a lot with Mike. Like, yeah, you know what, you're right. So I'm glad I rewatched it. Um, so without further ado, let's get right into it. Um, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and, and start say one of the things that I loved about the movie. Um, I'm gonna go with. Tom Holland's casting. I, I know technically he was cast in the Civil War, um, but this being his first movie, I, I really enjoyed it. Like, a lot of people compared it to Breakfast Club. I, I kind of got aspects of it, um, but this just, to me, was just a fun Spider-Man movie. And Tom Holland, to me, was able to do what um, I felt as though Toby and Andrew couldn't, and that was be a, a, a great Peter um, the geeky, smart, nervous type, and a hilarious Spider-Man. I thought Toby was a great, uh, great Spider-Man. 
Um, no, yeah, he was a great Spider-Man with the comedy elements and stuff like that, but this Peter to me was shaky and kind of felt like Tobey Maguire was like 36 trying to be like a high schooler. <laughs> so like that was just always weird to me. Um, also <laughs> with Andrew Garfield, I thought they just, they didn't understand Peter Parker. Like that was just like one of the worst Peter Parkers I had ever seen in my life. Like he was That's always boy. been my problem with Sony. Yeah, it just, it was super weird. Um, but again, that one scene where um, he finally has his full costume, he's, you know, playing around with the mugger or, or the car thief, rather. I thought that was hilarious. That is Spider-Man. Um, and I kind of felt like if they just let Andrew be more of himself, like Andrew seems like a shy, geeky kind of guy. So just let him be himself um, instead of forcing like this whole skater punk, uh, you know, based it off of today times kind of feel like it's just confusing but to get back to the point I really enjoyed Tom Holland I, I thought he brought so much to that role and I'll use Tia's word that I never thought I would use for a guy but like Tom Holland was super adorable like he was he really <laughs> was adorable um, and, and that was one of the, the things that, that I really loved about his, his take on Peter and Spider-Man is that um, he had a level of vulnerability um, and it was just one of those things where it was like you just wanted to pinch his cheeks he was just so adorable um, but I'm going so to go to you, uh, Mike. Um, tell me why Tom Holland being adorable just didn't still make up for this movie being uh, – I'll I actually leave it for you to say what you think the movie was. All right, let me set the record straight here. I brought this up in our show last week that I thought that this was just an okay movie, and it's turned into Mike hates Spider-Man Homecoming. And I know that's the way that the social media era works. So I'm going to just – you want me to be the villain? Fine. I'll be the villain if you need more for this because, you know, if there's one thing the MCU still struggles with, it's with its villain. So I'm going to try to help him out here, uh, although Michael Keaton's greatness because it's Michael Keaton. Um uh, yes, a guy can be adorable. I don't know if you guys are Doctor Who fans, but Matt Smith, as a doctor, the only way I could explain him was adorable. So uh, if, if, that's, <laughs> if that's Metro for anybody, okay, whatever. Um, I think that Tom Holland is a great Spider-Man. He is, he is very, very Peter. Uh, I think that this – what I did like about the movie was it was the first one, I think, that actually nailed the, uh, the high school aspect from the comic or whatever. What I said that I disliked was it just because – I accept. I'm a 40-year-old man. I know that this movie wasn't made for me. This is made for the, uh, the under-25 hot topic crowd that, like, that loves Suicide Squad. I, I get that. I understand that. I'm okay with that. I understand that, that you know, they, they, wanted, they know that they've got the old long-time old guard there that are just – because they're just going to go just so they can complain about it, right? I mean, that's what we do. And they, they, we got to get in the younger people. So I understand they did that. They got Zendaya, which is really, really popular with the younger crowd. It makes sense. It makes sense. It just – it wasn't the Spider-Man that I wanted. I don't dislike the movie. I have it number 11 in my, uh, in my ranking at the MCU. And as we all know now, they have, what, like 2,600 movies or something. So that's pretty high, right? I mean, number 11 is pretty good. Uh, I, I have it <laughs> right behind Black Panther. So, I mean, that's, that's it, where I know a lot of you guys think that Black Panther might be the best in the, in, in the, uh, in the MCU. So, I, obviously, I don't think it's a terrible movie or anything like that. I just said it's kind of mediocre. And I'm going to kind of piggyback off of what, what Kanan was saying in our chat this morning. You take away Vulture, and it's just an okay movie you take away michael keaton it's just an okay movie i think that keaton's obviously he steals every scene he's in because i mean it's, for most people my age that's my batman you know so i mean that's that's to be expected but i don't dislike the movie i just it wasn't the amazing spider-man that i wanted it was the ultimate spider-man that you guys liked and that's that's not my peter fair enough i will say to take a quick shot at kanan 
um, with him saying you take Keaton out is just an okay movie. Um, <clears throat> he thought it was blasphemous when I told him I I felt, again, me personally, that if you put Heath Ledger out of The Dark Knight, that movie is not the classic film that we all consider oh, it to be. Heath Ledger completely made that movie. Um, sure. you had a, again, no 100%. disrespect to Christian Bale. I think Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor. Let, let me let me make sure I'm, I'm I'm saying that. But I thought his take on Batman and that movie specifically was mediocre. Like I I mm. I just never could buy into it. Um, his Bruce Wayne I thought was hilarious. Him buying out the the ballet uh, to put them on a boat with Alfred like that was hilarious. Um, but it's just funny that Cannon says that. Um, <laughs> didn't accept it when I say that about the Dark Knight. So I find that funny. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike. I'll definitely uh, yell at Cannon about that. Um, but no, I mean, I, I again, I think the crazy thing with Marvel is is they sometimes can't find a balance when it comes to the hero and the villain. Um, one of the biggest issues a lot of people have with Marvel is that their villain always, or usually, let me say usually, um, especially during the excuse me the start of the MCU, the villain always matched the hero and it was like instead of seeing a hero versus like someone completely different that's a villain it was literally iron man a guy in a suit of armor versus iron monger a guy in a suit of armor um you had red skull the leader of germany versus captain america the leader of america um so it was just like it just seemed too similar the heroes with the villains um i felt like as they went you started to kind of get away from that stigma um, Michael Keaton was a great choice. I mean, I honestly would have never thought Michael Keaton would have ever come back into the superhero world, um, ever. So it was really interesting to see him take on a character that honestly is one of the most boring villains in, in Spider-Man's uh, road gallery with Vulture and made that character completely interesting. Um, but I, I do think you have a point in the sense of if you do not, a fan of the ultimate, like that, that Peter, that, that Spider-Man, um, this just wasn't the, the Spider-Man for you, but I was telling Mark before the show, I grew up watching the animated Spider-Man cartoon, but I also grew up reading the ultimate, uh, Spider-Man comics. And I grew up reading the ultimate, um, Avengers comics. That's why I always hate, I always said the reason Chris Hemsworth's Thor did not work in the first two films was because you were not making him the ultimate Thor, the guy that was the um, the guy against the government, the guy that was all for peace and harmony, all for the environment. Chris Hemsworth looks just like the kind of guy um, you would assume would be all those things. So it's like if you had just made him the ultimate Thor, I think you could have sold that way more than trying to make him the classic Thor. That's why I think Thor Ragnarok just kind of let Hemsworth be Hemsworth, and that's why it works. Um, but Can I retort to that real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have never read Ultimate Thor. Are you telling me that Ultimate Thor is like Thor Ragnarok was? No, 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 no. Okay, because I was going to say, ultimate... I'm all over that because Thor Ragnarok is wonderful. So. Yeah, no, the Ultimate Thor was, was more – I'll say this. If you're comparing Thor 1 and then Thor Ragnarok, Ultimate is more towards Thor Ragnarok than it is Thor 1. Um, he's just, he's humorous. He's the guy that always has, a, a you know, a, a jug to, to drink beer with. Um, he's about the environment and stuff like that. He's just such a great store. And to, uh, to be more specific, his hammer in the ultimate looks just the way 
um, his hammer looks now after Infinity War. Um, so there's just so many elements of the ultimate that I thought the MCU should try to be um, rather than trying to grab onto that old Avengers feel. Cause it's just like a lot of your audience, like doesn't really know that old one kind of capture the ultimate. Um, but let me move on. Cause I could talk about um, Mark. <laughs> I want to go to you, your thoughts on yeah. Spider-Man homecoming. And then if you wanted to kind of uh, speak to anything that, that Mike said about uh, his take on the movie. Yeah. So, Taking back a little bit off of Mike, um, Michael Keaton is the best part of this movie um, for me, um, and that's why I was so disappointed. Because as I was, I was mentioning to Juwan before we got on, my favorite Peter stories are when they make a really good connection with relationships, whether that be platonic or in a in a you know girlfriend way or anything like that, and then use that in the story. And I just felt the connection with Liz weakened my shock or whatever was supposed to happen with Vulture there. Um, So everything was a little disconnected for me. Um, And the point is made is that if you take Vulture out of that movie, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's an, it's a good high school drama, Peter, you know, being a little bit more on the comedic end, but there's no, there's no real bite to it. Um, And I think they were close, but they just missed, you know, making that connection. Um, it, at no point did it seem for real um, that that Liz or Peter, you know, it just it were meant to, you know, uh, date or go or any of that relationship like Mary Jane and, and Toby um, or in, to a lesser extent, Gwen Stacy and, and Andrew Garfield. Um, but they just, they just missed that connection, which makes the reveal of Vulture you know, completely lose its edge. And, yeah, that, it's kind of where it lost me, especially after the, you know, the video game this year and into the Spider-Verse where that's all about relationships, you know, throughout it. So, essentially, I, I liked it a lot more before those two things came out. Um, so I'm leaning a little bit more towards Mike after a rewatch. So. Hey, high five for mentioning the game. That was that was very, yeah. very, very, very much my Peter. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Just for... Uh, you know, just for a fact, the, the game ended up being my top game of last year and Into the Spider-Verse was my top movie of last year. So, um, you know, those two things uh, were very high um, esteemed for me. Um, so rewatching this and just saying, oh, they can do this much better, you know, just kind of changed my opinion on Homecoming. Absolutely. We actually got a chance to interview <clears throat> uh, the, the guy who voiced Peter and the guy who voiced um... – Mr. Negative? No. Was it? Yeah, I think it was Mr. Negative. Was it yeah, Mr. Negative? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, game, he yeah. actually, he was actually super cool. He actually sent us an autograph pop of, of the character, oh, nice. so he was super cool. Um, but I agree. I, I think people overrated Red Dead. I thought Spider-Man clearly was the better game and the best game of yeah. all of last year. Um, yeah. Head to toe. Head Don't get to, me started say, on Red Dead. I will say Red <laughs> Dead slightly had better gameplay slightly very slightly um but spider-man was just better um and into the spider-verse (laughs) into the (laughs) spider-verse i will say i didn't see it in theaters um and and that's that's one of my biggest mistakes i I saw it maybe a month or two ago um and i immediately thought it was the best superhero movie of all of last year Uh, immediately like i think i text uh my buddy joel and was like how does how does everyone not think that this was like the best movie of last year uh superhero wise 
Um, so now I completely, I completely understand where you're coming from in that sense. One thing I wanted to say for I passed to you, Tia, was a lot of people's uh, issue with Splash. I wanted to speak on that really quickly, mainly because to me in today's time, today's world, um, a lot of a lot of the bullying is more so mental, not physical. It, it just it physical doesn't really happen as much as it, it was like harped on back when we were all growing up where it was like, even look at the wrong guy, getting a wedgie, putting your head in the toilet. Now it's more so like, I'm going to just get on Facebook, tell all of my friends that like you're ugly and everyone's going to call you ugly every day. Oh my um, God. So that's why when they went the more verbal slash Thompson, I was like, this, this makes sense. Like that's the bullying I see my sister and my little brother go through is more of the verbal, um, the verbal bully. Uh, so I, I, I was fine with that, and it was their way of telling you, like, this Flash Thompson won't really amount to much, um, and, and that was their way of trying to make sure that no one ever tried to say, like, could this guy possibly be Venom down the line, an agent? No, 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 no. This guy is just uh, a bully to Peter. I'm pretty sure they'll have a cool moment in Far From Home where he finds out that Peter is Spider-Man. Um, but, yeah, I, I just I, I didn't really have a huge issue with that. Mike, it sounded like you were, you were trying to say something. Were you trying to say something? No, it just I mean, you're right. You're right. I just I just I hate this. I always hear this sound like I'm pro bullying or anything like that. Because I'm not, because I got bullied in junior high when it was back when it was physical. But it's just right. like this is like when I heard Josh Trank talking about how he was gonna make uh Doctor Doom basically like a, a, a blogger that was like making angry Yelp reviews or something like that. And I just that's just what it gave me flashbacks of, sorry. No, 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 no. That was for that I, I wanted... four stick movie. Yeah, well, first of all, the first thing I want to say to Josh Trank is I don't know who I'm more tired of, hearing Josh Trank talk about how horrible of a movie that was or hearing Zack Snyder tell us, like, oh, guys, I could have given you a better Justice League. <laughs> My God, shut up. Like, shut up. Fan Forstick happened. Move forward, guys. We are moved. We have moved on. Um, so I'm really sick of both of those guys. Like, Josh Trank, the writing of that movie was so horrible. Your characters would say something, then look at each other, as if, like, the scene didn't end. Like, it just, your transitions were bad, man. Let me or when I was like, there's no way that this Dr. Dude could be worse than the one from 2004. And they're like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, Trank was definitely, like, holding my beer. I'm going to make sure you guys never want to see Doom again. And he was almost very successful. Um, Tia, I want to go to you. Your thoughts on Homecoming. And then any response you, you have to anything, me, Mike, or Mark. I was going to say Mike or Mike. Mike or Mark? It's going to happen, I'm telling you. It's starting. Yeah, it's it's starting, I know. Um, First of all, I do have to say that I loved Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, especially in the first one. Second one was good, too. Third one was absolutely awful. I guess when I saw it when I was younger, it didn't kind of stick in my head that, hey, he's like, older playing a high school guy just because I don't know why, but I feel like that was very much the thing back in that time. They got like 30 something year olds to play 18 year olds. I don't know why, but um, I do feel I never, okay. So I never saw the amazing Spider-Man. I never saw Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, but I did feel bad at some point because I think if I heard the rumors correctly, he was the one who was kind of pushing for Spider-Man to get into the MCU. And they're like, sure, we'll get Spider-Man into the MCU, but hey, you're not going along with it. So that was the one yeah. thing. But 
I was skeptical on Tom Holland's casting just because, again, not being a comic book reader, just being a movie goer, I was like, oh, he's super young. That's not going to work with the rest of the characters because they're all older adults. I saw Civil War. I absolutely loved him. I was like, wow, I love this Spider-Man. But I still wasn't really sold on seeing Homecoming. I didn't see it in the theaters. I waited for that to come out, I think, on Netflix before seeing it. And I really liked it. Yeah, I know it was kind of cheesy at times, and it was very lighthearted, but I still, like, super enjoyed it. Tom Holland is just, like, a treasure. And as you said, Juwan, he's adorable. Like, I'm 29, and I think when I saw it, what, I was, like, 27 or something. I'm like, how do I adopt someone who's, like, 21 or something? Because he's, <laughs> like, he's just that adorable. But I really liked his character and how the whole uh, premise with him kind of finding how to be a mature hero and not so much relying on the tech that Tony Stark gave him because that's really at some point what he seems to have relied on. And I understand that the Vulture was a great character, and Michael Keaton was just so good, was so good. I love the whole, like, human aspect of it because it really was, this is just a guy who's trying to make a living, and due to bureaucracy and all that shit, his livelihood was kind of taken away from him, which, you know, in an extreme sense forced him to, you know, uh, take a turn towards crime, which is essentially the plot to Breaking Bad. So that was my thing. But I I love the scene when, uh, you know, Peter Parker gets into the limo or not gets into the limo, gets to the house and finds out that the guy who is Vulture is this girl's father. And I thought it was absolutely hilarious when they're talking in the car and he's like, that's my girl. If you do anything to her, I'm going to kill you. I just love that. I like, my again, breath like, during that scene. Like, uh, from a human aspect, that was really telling because, you know, you take away the fact that this guy is vulture, he's just a protective-ass father. And I, maybe they're not the healthiest relationship because he's a criminal, but he loved his wife and he loved his kids. So that was, like, super important to the movie. And just all the little moments in it with, uh, you know, Peter having fun with the bank robbers. You're not the Avengers. Thor, nice to meet you. Just I thought that was funny as hell. I love the little scenes in it, how he was so desperate to impress Tony Stark, how he really wanted to become an Avenger. I loved his dynamic with Ned when Ned finally got to be the guy in the chair. I was like, yes, Ned, you get your chance now. And then at the very end when Tony even offers him the suit and offers him the opportunity to become an Avenger, and he's like, you know what? I got to stay on the ground. I got to stay in my neighborhood because they need me and I really appreciate it. And it was like then a father moment for Tony Stark. So that's why I liked it. I certainly don't rank it as mm, the best movie in the MCU that will always go to the Winter Soldier no matter what. But I really liked Spider-Man Amen. for what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's all. Like, even as much as I loved Infinity War, as much as I loved Thor Ragnarok, uh, the Winter Soldier is always going to be number one. I don't know how they're ever going to top it for me. But yeah. <laughs> I think Spider-Man Homecoming was really good for what it was. It was enjoyable. It was a good laugh. It was a good reprieve from the seriousness that we had in Civil War. 
Um, and I watched it not too long ago, and I still thought that it was just as bit enjoyable as before. And I am so excited for Far From Home, but I guess that's a discussion for another time. Yeah, I, I will say, after you made the, the breaking back comparison, I just started picturing Vulture uh, cooking mess, and I, I can't get it out of my head now. Um, Already a better movie. <laughs> that would be a really good movie. Um, but no, I, I see. All right, I'll say this. As soon as I left Homecoming, I had it in my top five at like five. Um, I, I just, I, I really loved that Spider-Man. Um, nothing to me will ever beat Winter Soldier because it was, even though it's a superhero movie, it was like one of the most original superhero movies you could ever create. Um, like it, it goes up there with, with like Watchmen for me. Um, like those two are like very close. Like Watchmen, I slightly want to give the edge to, um, but Winter Soldier was so freaking good. Um, I also don't have Homecoming that high. Um, I'd maybe have Black Panther higher than Homecoming, maybe about, maybe by a bit. Um, I just thought the writing was better for it. I thought the story obviously was better for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this movie just, as Tia said, it was just fun. Like that, that's just how I viewed it. And it was funny um, that you say, Tia, the, the age kind of bothered you a little bit because it seemed to have been what Zach was going for for Justice League. Um, the original draft of it kind of seemed like he was trying to make Barry Bruce's Peter. Um, and then obviously they kind of went away from that a bit. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was fine with the age cause I kind of wanted the idea of having someone that's that, that's that young in high school. So, so different than the other heroes. Um, and I thought it was hilarious that like black widows, like I, you know, I, I think I know a guy. Um, and then Tony's like, um, where's your guy? And then she's like downstairs and she's like, where's yours? And then when it said Brooklyn, I remember the entire theater just went bananas. The idea that yes. Spider-Man is finally in the MCU. Like, no, the war, it was just like, Queens, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry Queens, I'm Juan. sorry, Juan. He is from no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. from Brooklyn. It just goes you're to show, right. prove I'm, my I'm, point, Ultimate Spider-Man fans don't know Jack. <laughs> that's, that's funny. It, um, but no, Mike, was, Mike he's, from, he's from New Jersey. He doesn't know any better. <laughs> that oh, is see, really I didn't even know point. that. That explains so much. That's really good. I, I also was only in New Jersey for like two years and then like spent majority of my life in Virginia. So I guess that's even more so. Um, but no, it was, it was just like that moment of seeing Spider-Man is just like, like realizing he's finally part of the family. Um, and then just to see things play out that way, it was just, it was, it was awesome. Um, but I do want to speak more so to one of the biggest issues I did have with, this movie was their take on Shocker. Um, I kind of just felt like you kind of missed the mark um, and you kind of were doing exactly what I hated about Amazing Spider-Man 2 and I was creating way too many uh, way too many story uh, storylines like it was a story of Peter trying to get through high school it was a story of Peter trying to become a hero. Then you had a story of trying to introduce the Sinister Six and it was like alright Relax, guys. Um, and the idea that Scorpion was in it. Yeah. yeah. You you mean to tell me you don't like almost um, Tom Hardy's performance in this movie? <laughs> in Logan Michael. A younger Tom Hardy. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's funny because he is. He is. But 
I was upset that that wasn't the shocker that they decided to keep. Um, I, I really do. I really do enjoy that guy um, as an actor. I, I loved Upgrade. Um, Kanan Upgrade will swear by that movie. He will truly swear by that movie. If, if Kanan was amazing. in charge, he, if Kanan was in charge, yeah. he would give Upgrade an Oscar. That's how much Kanan loved that movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I was really hoping that um, he would be our shocker moving forward. So obviously, spoiler alert, but this movie's been out for years. Um, when he died, I was just kind of like, ugh, that really sucks. Um, but yeah, I seeing Scorpion, seeing Vulture, seeing Shocker, excuse me, um, knowing that we're now and the Tinkerer. Don't forget about the Tinkerer. The Tinkerer, yes, the Tinkerer. Um, just like that role just was so unnecessary, but the guy did a really good job. Um, and let's not forget they burst Miles Morales in this movie. I was so angry, like when I heard that, I was just like, oh god, no. No, don't tell me Miles exists yet. Like, <laughs> Peter's so young. Um, to, to people listening that are like, what is he talking about? In the comics, like, when Miles, by the time Miles came, Peter obviously was a lot older. But Peter died. That's how Miles got to shine, um, that there was no, there was no Peter. Um, so it was just like, oh, man, when, when uh, Donald Glover's character, who in the comics is the Prowler, um, said that, yeah, I got a nephew here. I was just kind of like, oh, that sucks. And, and to your point, T, of um, how Andrew Garfield was, was wanting to join the MCU but then technically got fired. Um, but he did, he caused a lot of that. Like, he spoke out a, way too much um, about his dislike of kind of where, where things were headed. Um, but what was funny about that was in Sony's emails that got, that got hacked and leaked, one of the early drafts of Spider-Man being brought into um, the MCU, they were thinking about having Donald Glover, the Miles Morales, um, in a future Spider-Man movie. And at the time, it was just like, um, yeah, like, I want that. Like, Donald Glover was, was amazing. Um, cool. Right around the time he was doing, I can't remember what comedy show. Um, but, yeah, Andrew Garfield almost lost his, uh, his role to Donald Glover, uh, which would have been hilarious. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I want to go back to you, Mike, and I want to ask you um, your your take on what they were trying to do with the Sinister Six. Was that something that you thought was becoming a little too convoluted, or do you think they spaced it out uh, well enough that it just didn't feel like everything was just kind of being forced in one movie? You brought up Amazing Spider-Man 2. It, it had me think it's uh, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 3 where they say, hey, we got Sam, man. We're going to throw – Green Goblin two in here, it just it was it was too much. That was too much. But I, it was such a minor part in this, and I mean it, it was shocker. If he doesn't have like the big fluffy pillow looking costume, I don't I don't care anyway. Uh, I understand they 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 want to try to set up a Sinister Six something like that. I do appreciate that they said we're not going to use any of the villains that's been done in previous movies. I appreciated that because. I want Dr. Octopus to be done and I want it to be done right. So I'm fine waiting two or three movies or before I knew about the venom verse or whatever they're calling that, that Sony's doing. Yeah. I was like, okay, my, my goal is within three Spider-Man movies, we're going to do uh, maximum carnage, you know? So I was fine basically with them setting it up. It wasn't like a real cluster or nothing like that. Like, you know, the lizard stuff was very, very off in the background. If you weren't paying attention, you, you, you would probably have missed it, but, I can get where you're coming from, but that that wasn't one of my gripes. I, 
I guess one of my gripes is that you have Hobgoblin in this movie, and he's Spider-Man's best friend. That's just weird. Yeah, and, and just to clarify that, Mike, uh, in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong, Ned is never Peter's friend. That's Miles' friend um, that does turn into the Hobgoblin. That, you that could sounds even say right. That, that, yeah, that's even – Miles and Ned are the equivalent to Peter and Harry. Um, so it was really out out there when, when they took Ned and it was just like, all right, wait a minute. So you're not going to introduce Harry like whatsoever. Like they didn't introduce the Osbournes at all. Like no mention, nothing. Um, so I was just kind of like, okay, all right. Feige did kind of say he's getting away from characters we've seen done before. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't mention him. And technically I don't count the Amazing Spider-Man one because, like, Norman died within, like, the first 10 minutes of us knowing that he was Norman. Um, and, and that Hobgoblin was just god-awful. Um, no, see, and that's my biggest, one of my biggest problems with this. It seems like they wanted to use Ultimate Spider-Man, but yet they wanted to use Peter Parker for the name recognition. If you guys wanted to go this way, why didn't you just make it Miles Morales? Because you couldn't. I was telling Mark this. It's the equivalent of when... Um, the the reports came out that we were going to get a Nightwing movie. And I was just like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. We haven't had a Batman solo, and you're talking about a Nightwing movie? And everyone was on board with it, and I'm just like, no, that's insane. So to me, in the MCU, like, I I personally think Sony should keep Spider-Man with the MCU and just create Miles for that Venomverse. Um, I'd be fine with that. No, you don't. I don't think in the MCU, a lot of us have been waiting to see Peter interact with Iron Man and Cap and Hulk. You don't rush and give us Miles. You give us Peter first, um, and then if down the road you want to introduce Miles, that's fine. Um, I get what you're saying. They were going, like, as close to Miles without actually giving us Miles. Um, but, no, you, you don't skip ahead. Just You don't do a Nightwing movie before a Batman solo. You don't do Miles before Peter. No, you had it right. You don't do a Nightwing movie. There, I said it. No, you do a Nightwing movie. That's not what I'm saying. You do a Nightwing movie. Dude, I love Nightwing. Him, no. I, I desperately wanted a Nightwing movie just after Batman. Like, you didn't even tell us we had a Robin yet. Well, the Robin died. We didn't know I wouldn't mind Nightwing was. in a Batman movie, but I don't need a Nightwing movie. I, okay, all right, let me say this. Our difference is fundamental. <laughs> I don't need a Nightwing movie either, but if you're telling me I'm getting it, I'm 100% okay with it. It just can't be before you've even established that there's been an alive Robin. Like, all, all we know is that a Robin died. That was it. Anybody see That's Teen Titans Go the Movies? That's what this sounds like, that Robin's going to get his own movie. Yeah, that, that, that is what I'm pitching for because I did love that movie too. Oh, um, that's great. See, <laughs> yeah, I want to go to you next. Uh, I, I want to ask you, um, the way they formatted uh, Mary Jane. Now, I was I was okay with it. Um, my issue with Mar- with MCU rather in Kevin Feige is sometimes Feige chooses to be so different that it's detrimental to the character. Like you could have just created Zendaya Zendaya's character to be something completely different. Um, the idea that you've made her MJ is just like all right, hold on. Wait, wait a second. All right. I'm not one of those sticklers that's like, all right, my characters have to look exactly like the comics, but, like, Mary Jane has been a redhead 
every single time you've seen Mary Jane. Like, there's no Mary Jane that does not have red hair. Um, so it was just kind of like, all right, I don't care that you're changing her race, but, like, can I get the red hair? And then throughout the entire movie, it kind of felt like, all right, maybe she's not Mary Jane. And then you get the line at the end, just call me MJ. And it was just like, oh, Feige, no. Like, this this, <laughs> is this, this to me, not as bad. Um, but that reveal was just as frustrating as the Mandarin. Because it's like Mandarin is a character that's very important to the Iron Man mythos. So it's like you want to see it. Um, so then it's like, wait, hold on. You got Ben Kingsley to be Mandarin? Like, this is about to be dope. This might be better than the first Iron Man. And then it's like, nope, he's not really Mandarin. Mandarin's a fake. It was just like, oh, no, this was stupid. Like, <laughs> you could have taken Mandarin completely out of that movie and just had AIM, and that movie would have been just as bad as, as, as it was with Mandarin. So in this sense, it just kind of felt like you were putting Mary Jane there just to put it in, like, just for the sake of being different. And that, to me, is just one of those things that's like, now you're upsetting fanboys just because you can. So I wanted to ask you, Tia, did the change of Mary Jane and then the reveal, did that bother you at all, or was it kind of just like, whatever? I have to say it was kind of whatever to me. I think that her not being a redhead was completely intentional because – beforehand when they first cast Zendaya, you know, you had all those upset fanboys uh, sitting there going, no, that's not my Mary Jane. My Mary Jane is white with red hair. And then when they were like, no, Zendaya is not Mary Jane, then they were like, okay, good, better, blah, blah, blah. And then you had the actual movie, and then at the end, it was like, oh, no, MJ. I feel like that was their way of going, ha-ha, I feel like Kevin Feige was having fun with that, like, kind of putting it in the troll's face, but it didn't bother me. It was essentially the same thing as, remember, Christopher, and I know that, Juwan, you have your problems with the Christopher Nolan verse, but, you know, Christopher Nolan said that he would never bring Robin into his movies, but then at the very end of The Dark Knight Rises, uh, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character you know, is picking up something, and he's like, oh, call me by my, you know, middle name, Robin. And it's like one of those little things I feel like was for the fans because the whole time you're like, he's Robin. I know he's Robin. They're just not wanting to say he's Robin. And then finally it's like, oh, Robin. So it's the same thing almost where it was like, uh, this is Mary Jane. They're just not saying it. And then at the very end, obviously, they said it. And I kind of liked almost that they played around with that because the whole problem sometimes is that, you know, they want to make things too romantic, you know, and they brought in that other girl to be a romantic kind of uh, interest for Peter. And then finally when they like revealed NJ was like almost like they're building up to the romance without necessarily automatically being like, here's MJ. The two of them should be together. Yeah, I I will say two things. One, Christopher Nolan, that entire trilogy, was just finding random ways to give uh, loyal Batman fans the middle finger. And there was no middle finger bigger than saying, I will never do a Robin, but then have the guy's name actually legally be Robin. That was the stupidest thing Christopher Nolan has ever done as a director. I still to this day hate him for that. Um, Because you tell me, you'll never get Robin, but I'm going to end this movie giving you the name Robin, and guess what? the whole Batman thing will lift so you know that if I made a fourth one, he was going to be the new Batman or the new Robin. It's like, Christopher Nolan, shut up, man. Um, but as, as far as MJ, 
I kind of think the whole idea of of the race change. I think fans of the comics get upset about race change, but don't ever think of it logically. Race change never really matters. Um, there are like maybe mm-hmm. two characters in both universes that you kind of look at and you're kind of like, you can't really change their race, and that character still makes sense. I'm going to give you oh. two characters. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Do you want? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but the biggest, like, you know, thing that um, stands out to me is when they were first teasing a Spider-Man for the MCU, and some people were suggesting Miles Morales, like, hey, right now is a great time to bring in Miles Morales, and, you know, people were getting upset that you had someone of color who was going to follow, you know, and Jimmy Fallon did a skit where he's like, you know, they want to introduce a uh, black character to be uh, Spider-Man. You know, here's what he'd look like. And he posted a picture of Spider-Man in the full suit, like, as a trolling of, like, what's the big deal? You would never even, like, see it half the time because he's in the freaking costume. Like, you know, it was supposed to be, like, a joke where it's like, fanboys, what is your problem here? He's in the comics. He's a character. Like, they think that it would be a perfect opportunity to bring him in because we've never had him before. But people just like to get upset for the sake of getting upset. It's the same people who said that Captain Marvel was going to fail because it's a female-centric superhero movie. And guess what, trolls? It just passed $1 billion, so suck it. Yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> to me, there's only, there's only really two dominant characters that you just couldn't race change because it just wouldn't really make any sense to the character. One of them is Black Panther because, to be completely honest with you, if you're telling me a white guy is a leader of Africa, that's just not going to go over well. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. I don't know. It will spark. Some, some Hollywood producers would find a way the same guys who made Matt Damon like the leader of China for one movie that came out a few years ago. Yeah, some, or maybe The Last Samurai, or made yeah. Gerard Butler one of the pharaohs of Egypt. Yeah, so they they would have tried it, but listen, <laughs> listen, Hollywood, don't. Um, and the other character is Luke Cage. I mean, you're talking about a character that was birthed in, I want to say, maybe the 70s or 80s in Harlem. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> you're not telling me this white guy is the protector of Harlem in, like, the 70s or 80s. Um, it just wouldn't really make sense. Um, everyone else, I, I think, is fair game. I think one of the biggest characters people get upset about, um, even just the mention of it, is the idea of making Superman uh, a, a different ethnicity. But to me, it's like he's an alien. He doesn't have a race. So it's like you could make Superman black. He just always and didn't say already. Uh, well, that was a different Earth of, of, of Superman, but I don't think he was specifically Superman. It was just a different Earth um, version that kind of had, like, similar powers. Um, but to me, I, I personally look at it in the sense of the guy's an alien. So just same thing with Starfire. So when you're like, oh, my God, Starfire can't be black. She's white in the comics. No, technically she's orange um, and an alien. So <laughs> they don't really have black, white, child, like, no. So to me, well, people, to be upset people, about that, go ahead. People, people freaked out when they, uh, I don't know if you remember this, some people freaked out that they casted uh, Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Oh, no, that's not Valkyrie. And it's like, shut up, it's Tessa Thompson. She can be in anything. And 
We would love her for it. People bitched when they casted Idris Elba. You're always going to get people who are going to bitch when you try and make some sort of progress in, you know, the face of Hollywood. Yeah, now, and speaking of Idris Elba, um, you know, you get the Bond fanboys that freak out anytime it comes up, you know, that he should be the next James Bond. You know, in the same sense that that guy, he's just a, you know, spy, you know. Yeah. Anybody could be James Bond. You know? And also, um, the whole thing with James Bond is he's supposed to be like what? Tall, dark, and handsome, and British, right? What the hell is he, yeah. Elba? Tall, dark, and handsome, exactly. and British. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, I and I will say this. I will say this. I am not a fan of, of changing things just because you want to be different. Like it has, it has to fit. Like if you had uh, a black director that wanted to change Valkyrie or, or a person of color who wanted to change Valkyrie's race, um, and it made sense. I, sure, I, I, I'm cool with it. I think my biggest issue with Tessa Thompson being Valkyrie is that she didn't look anything like Valkyrie, not not her, her race, but just like I'm used to Valkyrie with the two braids coming down the side, Valkyrie with the huge sword. She was actually in the comments built kind of like Thor. So then when they went Tessa, I was just like, oh, they're just going for like really good actress. Uh, they're not trying to look like uh, Valkyrie at all. Um, that was my only issue. But to me, again, a lot of these characters that you guys flip out over, uh, I get you don't like change, but my only point to you is it's not really change. Some of these characters are aliens. They just they just happen to be drawn of a specific color, but they're aliens. Like Krypton absolutely could be full of just black people. Like it could. There's nothing that says that it couldn't. Um, but no, uh, Mark, I want to pass it to you. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to ask you, did you have anything that you wanted to say on what I was just saying before I go into my question for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing I want to say, going back to the, to the Mary Jane thing, I think, uh, the one way, uh, Feggy gets away with it is that he actually names her Michelle and not Mary. Yeah. So, um, maybe that's his way of going, well, this isn't technically Mary Jane, you know, it's Michelle Jane or whatever her middle name is going to end up being. Um, or technically yeah. her last name. God, we don't know either way. But, you know, essentially it, it's sort of a way to also give the middle finger to the fanboys on top of saying, you know, we can do whatever we want with this. Um, didn't he, isn't one of the characters in Captain Marvel's name change too? Like first name? Um, in Captain Marvel? Yeah. Her friend. Isn't no. that a different first name? The the Wait, Air Force pilot. Say it one more time. The Air Force pilot. Her Oh, her, her friend, friend when she was on Earth. I think yeah. so. I think so. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure because I know her daughter was accurate. Um yeah. or, or somewhat accurate. Uh so I'm not sure, but possibly. I mean Kevin Feige takes crazy liberties. Yeah. Um like exactly. insane amount of liberties. <laughs> point is that, you know, he likes to do the twist on characters, and it seems like his go-to for some of these um, is to just change a name, you know, uh, you know, keep it in the same vein, and, you know, have had the initials be the same, or whatever he's going to do with, with MJ um, in terms of that, um, but it just, and, and it shouldn't really matter either way, you know, the, if, and I think Back then, when this movie came out, I was a little more on the side of, you know, Mary Jane 
do whatever you want with her. Then I saw the game and the Mary Jane they made there. And I'm like, all right, no, that, that's MJ. You know, <laughs> the Mary Jane they do that. I'm like, okay. I, I'm, I feel better than he renamed her because then he can do what he wants with her and not, you know, solely that, you know, the, the vision of MJ in that way. Um, but, yeah, um, I'll, if you want to go on with your question, that, that's about all I had on it. Yeah, I mean, to speak to that, really, it, it just, to me, that's part of my issue. Like, you went out of your way to make sure that we knew this character was MJ, just not the MJ that we knew from the comics. And to that, that is what bothers me, because you could have just made her her own person. Like, personally, I thought when they casted her, they were going to go the route that they went in um, the uh, the cartoon show where Spider-Man, it was voiced by Drake Bell, Spider-Man was working for S.H.I.E.L.D., um, White okay. Tiger. I thought they were going to make her White Tiger. And I was like, yes, like, this is going to look great. Um, and then when they're like, no, Mary Jane. And I was like, well, an interpretation of Mary Jane. I was just like, Zendaya just does not scream damsel in distress. And, and a lot, that's yeah. what Mary Jane was. So I thought you should have just made her a stronger character, like White Tiger. Um, and then that could have been your end to, to give us Craven. Um, like it just it could have opened up so many doors, and you give Zendaya, who to young girls like that, that's someone they want to see more of, and you making her a hero would have been perfect. Um, but just taking the the easy way and twisting it to be a form of Mary Jane is just it to me was just as annoying as giving us Dick Grayson, but you didn't call him Grayson or Dick, you called him Robin. And then, like, but he's not. Anyway, my question to you is: sorry, <laughs> yeah. I'll never, I'll never forgive uh, uh, Christopher Dolan for that. Um, but my question to you is: I kind of felt like this movie had an opportunity to give us an, uh, a truly strong end credit scene. Um, they technically did, but it wasn't really an end credit. I, I don't think you guys can remind me. I think the teaser was. Um, Vulture in prison talking to Scorpion saying he's got some friends yeah. that would like to know about Spider-Man. But I believe the two actual end credits was Peter hitting a button and then showing the Spider-Man logo on his wall. No, that was Civil War. I'm sorry. Nope, nope, I'm lying. Nope, forgot. Yeah, it was Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last, the last one like, in nope, this movie was the, was the yeah. Captain America. Yeah, yeah. got you. Um, but still, my question still applies. Uh, my question to you is the end credit scene, did you feel like that truly set up what we can expect for the next movie? Or do you think they were just trying to tell us, like, hey, guys, we just want to let you know, at some point in these three movies, you're getting Sinister Six. And were you truly happy with uh, the end credit scene that you got? Yeah, so with that, it, it really it did two things. Um, it did exactly what you said. It, they wouldn't set up Sinister Six with, uh, you know, Scorpion there and, and – you know, all that set up and, you know, I have friends and things like that. But I think it also, for some reason, they felt like they needed to redeem Vulture a little bit um, because he doesn't reveal that he knows Peter's Spider-Man um, when he could have very easily done it. Um, and I think they were trying to still show that he was the family man, um, which is, um, which they do with the very last line when they say, you know, tombs, your, your family's here, you know, so you can see that he's still trying to, you know, 
he's still a bad guy and, and a criminal, but there's still that part you can believe in. Um, it's what makes all good villains um, is that you can look at it and go, yeah, I get some of that. I believe some of that. It's why, it's, it's why um, you know, Michael B. Jordan's so good in Black Panther. It's why Thanos is, is, has been good um, is that they really make you feel a little bit about what they're saying. And I think this was what they made them go so far villainy at the end of that movie that they wanted, they pulled it back in the end credit scene a little bit. Um, that's just what I felt. Um, but I think, I think they needed to show him interact with somebody that wasn't one of the sinister six you saw in the movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sort of, you know, find, meet another one of them in prison. And that would have been a better set up for that. You know, you're like, all right, I already know he's here. Like maybe he sees Rhino, you know, in there, you know, in that scene and, you know, just set that up. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel, but um, I think they tried to do two different things and kind of was mediocre on both. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of felt like to me, and, and that's one of my biggest issues with, with Kevin Feige and, and kind of making these movies always, trying to connect and always making it seem like you have to see this to get that. Um, I kind of just felt like it, it wasn't a needed in credit. Like it was cool. I mean, it was. And then the idea of um, Michael Keaton coming back in far from home is cool. It, it only further lends to Mysterio is probably now a member of what well, is going to be a member of the Sinister Six. Um, it just was kind of like, yuck. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I would have rather seen um, as an end credit scene. I mean, in a perfect world, I would have rather seen um, Tom Hardy's Venom. Like, if I'm being completely uh, honest with you, in a perfect world. Um, I still, to this day, don't understand Sony. Like, you own Spider-Man. How, how do you let Kevin Feige strong arm you? not having Spider-Man in Venom. Like, I still, I'll never understand that. Like, you own the character. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just wanted something stronger, something more Spider-Man specific um, as the end credit scene. Uh, Because we know they wasted the one with Captain America at at the very end. Like, it was just like, man, I've been been holding my pee and I waited for this. Like, I could have been like... Which is another reason why great I troll hate job. Marvel. I hate Marvel doing two end credit scenes. Don't don't do that. Like especially if it's gonna be something that's a waste of my time. Don't please like give me a warning. Um, like when you're promoting the movie, tell people like stay for the first one, but the last one if you want you can go. Because um, it's like dude, like especially in Endgame, like if you this movie is three hours and, and fifty eight seconds. If I if I stay through this. And then the very end, end credit scene is a joke. Like, I think I'll lose my mind. Because um, you're already making me hold it for three hours. And then now, you know, well, technically like two hours and like 50-something minutes. But then like those last few minutes, I'm waiting, and then it gets there, and then it's nothing. I'm going to lose my mind. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought doing something like Venom would have been awesome. And I think the way Sony constructed Venom was that, and this is obviously the biggest reason why they made it pg 13 they wanted to leave the door open um, to where they're kind of like, look, our deal is up with Marvel, or, or Disney rather, um, in, you know, uh, in the summer. So it's like we could re-up and then keep Tom Holland part of this world for forever, or 
we can kind of say three movies, he's done. And then you just insert him in there, Tom Holland versus Tom Hardy. Um, and you can even have the two of those characters versus Carnage. Um, I just yeah. think if you're Sony, what you cannot do is, well, let me not say cannot, because Sony loves when you say that, because they're like, no, we're going to thrive in it and do it. Um, it just, to me, I kind of felt like if you didn't give Kevin Feige as much control as you did over Spider-Man, a simple scene of um, Eddie Brock walking past, like, this store that has, like, a bunch of TVs in the, you know, in, in the window, like, the TV's playing a news report of Spider-Man saving someone. And, like, you see him look close. And, like, you see the insignia on his chest, and then you see Venom kind of just, like, embody that, that logo on, onto his chest. Just something, because to me it's like Venom usually does not I – mean, let me not say usually. Venom never exists without Spider-Man. That's how you get Venom. Um, and then yeah. when you just don't have any Spider-Man – I mean, we had rumors uh, back when it first came out that the end credit scene was going to be um, a bunch of kids getting off of the bus. And then, like, the bus driver saying, kid, come on, man, like, everyone else is off the bus. And then you see Peter Parker um, as the last kid uh, that gets off the bus. So you know that it's connected. I just, and, and yeah. Mike, I, I want, go ahead, go ahead, I'm sorry. Can, ahead. Can, can, can I jump in and throw something at you, Juwan? Speaking yeah. with the, uh, you know, you saw Venom being in that final credit scene, would it could have been a, simply a six-second stinger where Carnage was being rolled all tied up? Um, past Vulture there, would that have been something you would have liked? I would have been fine with it. Like like I said, I didn't need Spider-Man interacting with Venom in, in that first movie. I didn't need Venom interacting with Spider-Man in, in Homecoming. Just a nod. I mean, I was even saying before Infinity War came out that if there were any elements of space, like if Peter went into space um, and like some goo got stuck on him, um, but, like, he didn't know what the goo was, but it wasn't, like, coming out of, like, his suit. Um, and then yeah. you kind of played with the idea of that could have been symbiote. Like, I was fine with that. Um, but just to, like, again, and it's like Kevin Feige is, is, like, the best strong-arm guy in the business. Because um, it was one of those things that he told, you know, he told Amy, who was preaching that the worlds connect. They're like, no, they don't. <laughs> and it was so funny to see those two do individual interviews because you would have Amy going, yeah, don't worry. At some point, you'll see Venom mesh with Spider-Man. And then Feige was, like, in his interview, like, you'll never see it. And it was just like, all right, well, hold on. Like, who's telling the truth here? Um, so, Mike, I, I wanted to ask you, um, it's all related to Spider-Man, which is the topic of this episode. Um, did it bother you that a world of Spider-Man's villains are being built, but there's no Spider-Man in that world whatsoever? Um, and are you okay with the the possibility of it being a Venomverse in the sense of he's the hero who might even team with Morbius at some point to take on all these villains that they're starting to build in the Sony universe? Uh, I've never trusted Sony with the Spider-Man license. The fact that they had both Venom, which, believe it or not, me being one of the old guard Spider-Man fans, I actually kind of had a good time with that movie, surprisingly. <laughs> And yeah, into the Spider-Verse this last year, I feel like they've gotten a big head on them now. So now they think, oh, okay, we're, we're Spider-Man experts or whatever. So, one, I don't think that they could actually pull it off without Spider-Man. And, I mean, 
I'm a huge Woody Harrelson fan, so the fact that he's played as Cassidy already has, even with that bad wig, I'm excited. I'm excited for that, and I shouldn't. That was a I horrible. Be excited. <laughs> yeah, I should not be excited for a Spider-Manless Spider-Man series. I should not be excited about that, but I, I guess I kind of am, just because I've, I've said I've, I've wanted Venom and Maximum Carnage for so long. To have it without Spider-Man, well, that's, well, remains to be seen. But I'm gonna give them more of a chance, and usually, would. usually I see the word Sony Pictures flash on the screen, and I'm turning it off because. I think that's like one of the worst run franchise, worst run studios in Hollywood right now. So uh, the fact that they've had a couple of hits on their hands the last couple of years, those two, and then uh, Jumanji two was really big. I, I want to think maybe they turned over a new leaf, but uh, you know, I still got that. I still got that uh, that wall put up when it comes to all things uh, with uh, with Sony. Oh, yeah. and I do want to say I, earlier, I, I mentioned I said lizard when I meant scorpion. Uh, sorry guys, I have done that since I was a kid. I always get those two reptiles mixed up i always do that i know the difference between the two it's just it's just something that i've always done so don't take away my spider-man fan card no no not at all not at all you saw the mistake i made with brooklyn and queens it was like no nah, i mean you know it happened. yeah and then i insulted you um, for it so you i just gave you a layup <laughs> <laughs> fair enough but no I, I i will say this uh what, what sony's doing um, I don't know if anyone here ever ever watched um, the show Gotham. It's now on its last uh, two episodes of its final season. But I could never accept the idea that Batman, Bruce Wayne technically, is like 12 years old. And you're already developing Joker that came strongly because of Batman. Uh, you're developing uh, Mr. Freeze. You're developing Riddler. You're developing Penguin. And they're all like in their... Uh, early 30s to mid 30s. So I'm like, all right, by the time Bruce is like old enough to actually become Batman, which in the comics is around 23, 24, 25, um, these guys will be in like their, their mid 40s, early 50s. Like they'll be old men facing a young prime Batman. Like none of this makes sense to me. Um, so I'm looking at this Sony universe and I'm kind of like, all right, you got really lucky that this was a, this was, believe it or not, a box office hit. Um, and I didn't think it, it could be. Like, I thought Tom Hardy is one of those names. He's like he's like Leo. You hear the name, and you're like, all right, well, obviously his performance is going to be great. Um, doesn't necessarily mean the movie will, but you know his performance will be great. And I'm like, I don't think Tom Hardy's name is strong enough to lead this movie that just I thought from the trailers it didn't really seem that strong. Um, and he did it. <laughs> he did it. He did it. Um so I immediately was like, all right, Sony to me, Mike, is just like, um, I, I compare it to Michael Bay and Transformers. Every every trailer since the first Transformers, I would go, you know what? No, no. As soon as I heard, like, another Transformers movie was going to happen, I'm like, no, no, no. I saw the last one. You're not fooling me. I'm not giving you my money. No, thank you. Then the trailer comes out, and I'm like, oh, damn, like, this looks really good. And then I would spend my money, I would see it, and I would hate myself for it because it was horrible. But Michael Bay constructs trailers so freaking well that it's super misleading. So Sony, what they've done is they're like, all right, you know what we're going to do? People don't trust us or our movies, so we'll just give you great casting. And if the movie's bad, whatever. But at least you're spending money because you like the actor. That's what they did with Venom, with Tom Hardy. That's what they're doing with Morbius and Jared Leto. Um, and I'm pretty sure as they continue with these, these movies, they'll just get bigger and bigger names to do these characters that no one wants, cares, or even asks for. 
Um, but it just it's one of those things where it's like I trusted Sony with Spider uh the first Spider Man. I'm like, all right, this is good. Second Spider Man was good. And then the third one was just like horrible. Did the same thing with Amazing Spider Man. First one, all right, cool, you'll have my money for the second one. And then I immediately regretted it. So it's like with Sony, never really know. They sometimes um fill up their plates before they've eaten what's already there. Like, right after Into the Spider-Verse came out, they were now talking about, like, all right, we're going to do an all-women Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie. Then we're going to do a sequel to Into the Sp-. And it's just like, all right, guys, relax. <laughs> like, hold on. Let's do a sequel. I mean, you know, I'm up to you guys expanding, but you guys don't have the best of track record. Um, so I can relate like, to this, what you said with the whole Transformers thing. It's because oh, it's a perfect opportunity for me to tie in with, with some content on the site here. Every time I see a trailer for a Stephen King adaptation, I see the trailer, and I'm like, wow, maybe they actually got it. And anyone who knows, most Stephen King adaptations are pretty bad. Me yeah. being such a huge fan, I know. <laughs> I've seen every single one of them multiple times, so I know this. So when I see a trailer for something like, for example, The New Pet Cemetery, and I think, wow, this looks like they could finally actually really do it. And then I see it, and it's a flaming pile of hamster dog shit, and it's, it's just – you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it got me again. So I can totally get where you're coming from with the uh, with the Transformers thing. And read my spoiler-free review, guys, on Pet Cemetery. It's much more pleasant absolutely. than what I just said. No, look, absolutely. Make sure you guys go check that out. But it, it just, it, it's frustrating, Mike, because it's like I know better. Like I know I'm yeah. not going to like the Transformers movie. But Michael Bay just always gets me with his trailers. I'm like, yes, Optimus. Yes, Bumblebee, Megatron. And then I'm like, oh, I just spent like $14 on this, and I hate it. Um, I did like so, Bumblebee though. I, I did love Bumblebee. I, I I liked it a lot more so than I, than I thought I would, and I was just like, man, John yeah, Cena. At this point. Yeah, John Cena, Transformers. Like, all right, yeah, I'm on board. Let's do it. Um, I can't wait for the sequel. Um, but see, I I now want <clears throat> to excuse me, pass this over to you, talking about this expanded Spider-Man universe, um, and the idea of I kind of want to get us into Far From Home now. Um, we've talked enough about homecoming. I think we all are clear on where we all stand. <laughs> uh, when it's all far from home, um, as you're watching that trailer, um, do you kind of get the feel of it, it, it'll give you the same feeling that homecoming gave you, or did it seem like this was going in a different direction as far as tone-wise, or does it kind of match up with you the same as homecoming? Well, first of all, let me put my two cents in about Venom because I can't help myself. Oh, absolutely. I had incredibly low expectations for Venom. I love Tom Hardy. I've been a Tom Hardy fanatic since Lawless, obviously The Dark Knight Rises, went back and watched earlier work of his, loved Tom Hardy. So really that was my driving point to go see it. But, I mean, even members of GVN saw it and absolutely disliked it, whatever. I went to the seat. I actually really enjoyed myself, and I felt bad almost for enjoying myself because I'm like, hey, every person who has seen this has kind of trashed it, so I should probably dislike it, but I, I couldn't help it. I really actually did enjoy it. Yes, it had its problems. Um, I felt like it was an incredibly short movie. I mean, my boyfriend and I went to go see it, and we were out, like, in less than two hours. And I was like, was this real? This was a movie? This was less than two hours. So anyway, so I really liked it. Um, and I so desperately wanted Tom Holland as Spider-Man to pop up at some point because there was that whole it will happen, won't happen moment. So kind of disappointed about that. And I just really want to see 
Tom Hardy and Tom Holland interact with each other as their characters. It would just be fantastic. But I do want to movie, say really quick to you, just yeah, really quick. I do want to say at the beginning of Venom, I know a lot of people might have missed it because it was just purely dialogue, but the pilot was J. Jonah Jameson's son. Um, in the comics, his son is who then brings the symbiote back, uh, mm-hmm. then I believe it, it, it attaches to his body. Um, he becomes the host, so, of course, it makes its way to Eddie Brock. Um, so when they said that, I was just like, hold on. If this is Jameson's son, that means J. Jonah Jameson exists, which means Peter Parker should exist in this world. Like I was like, you guys suck for putting that in there, but you won't mention anything else of the world um, that Peter Parker comes from. You even said that Eddie moved away from the big city. So it was just like, all right, you guys really, really, really suck. Um, it's like you had all these opportunities to give us like a mention of Peter, a mention of Daily Bugle, just something so we can go, all right, the possibility is still there. Um, so yeah, that, that frustrated me so much. Um, but I just, I know a lot of people might've missed it because it was quick dialogue. They said his name really quick. Um, so I just wanted to say that. I'm sorry too. No, 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 no. It's perfectly fine. That's good to know because that's definitely something I missed, but uh, Far From Home seems like it has somewhat of the same tone as Homecoming because we obviously see Peter Parker having fun. He's with his classmates. I absolutely love uh, the little small bit of Flash who's like, I love Spider-Man. He just seems like a cool dude and yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, oh, what's up, dickhead? Good Peter. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. Um, but at the same point, I think that it's going to have a – more serious tone because I don't know what they're planning with Far From Home because we haven't seen Endgame yet, but if they're, you know, obviously, if this takes place after Endgame, then I think it has to be obvious that there's going to be some more of a darker situation with Peter having have dealt with that. Um, if, let's say, Tony dies in Endgame, and I don't know, I haven't seen the movie, so that's not a spoiler or anything. Um, but let's just say, hypothetically, I think that will have an effect. And uh, Nick Fury is involved, so I don't think that they can have it as lighthearted as they, uh, you know, had Homecoming. Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio, who people have kind of theorized that what you see in the trailer with uh, the element kind of creatures going on could be all an illusion by Mysterio. I think we're going to get somewhat of a different tone. I think it's going to hold on to the same tone that it had in Homecoming just with Peter and his classmates. But I think we are going to see a more adult Peter Parker. We're going to see a more focused Peter Parker. And with the incorporation of Nick Fury and Mysterio, that is going to bring it a little bit more onto a more mature adult side than we had in Homecoming. And that's just my theory. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at, at at this point with the theories of if it actually takes place after Endgame or whatnot. But if it takes place after Endgame, then definitely we're getting a slightly different tone than we got in Homecoming. And I'll, I'll even say to, to that to you, the, the thing I'm looking for the most is if the rumor I was being told about possibly seeing Amadeus Cho in this movie. If we get Amadeus in this movie, I might lose my mind, mainly because 
obviously they're not probably going to go the route of the Hulk. Um, I think they might go more so the route of what they did in the animated show to where um, he becomes the Iron Spider. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think his name in the animated show is Amadeus Cho, but I could see, because to me that that's another thing I hate that Kevin Feige does. He puts characters in that mean a lot in the comics that will amount to absolutely nothing in the movie universe. And I just hope if Amadeus Cho is in this movie, he will amount to a little bit more than nothing. Um, like, like I can go ahead and assume that if he's in it, he will probably be nothing. Um, but no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I assume that the tone will still be the same. Um, I would even go as far as to say it seems like from the trailer that, like, if this is after Endgame, maybe this is a group of people that don't know what happened. They just know, you know, they're just alive. Like, they don't really know specifically, like, oh, I died for, like, eight weeks, six months, four years. Um, they kind of just seem oblivious to it. They seem like they're just really enjoying life. Um, so, I mean, so many things are going to be interesting. Luckily for Tia, she gets to see it before, you know, before us regular <laughs> people do. So she'll know the information a lot sooner than us. But um, I can't Marga, wait. I know. Don't Don't tease us. Uh, Mark, I want to pass it to you. What are you looking forward to in Far From Home? Uh, I'm looking forward to be, if they are going to go the MJ Peter route, which is pretty obvious from the trailer, um, I, I want to feel them make that connection more they did than they did with Liz and Peter in, in Homecoming. If you're going to go that route, at least make it work. You know, so I'm looking to see how, you know, because Marvel has never had to, or at least Kevin Feige and, and, and the cinematic universe, never had to deal with, like, a younger relationship, you know, in terms of, you know, high school and teenager and all that, see how they handle it. And if it doesn't go to CW, you know, uh, into the very overdramatic stuff, if they can make that work where I believe it, not to keep bringing this up, but much like they did in the game between Mary Jane and Peter, where that felt like an actual relationship um, that we've all been in uh, before. Um, that's why I'm looking forward to see if they do that. And also, I would imagine just from what the end of Infinity War is, I would think this would have to be before because there's a lot more people that would be affected by that snap in this movie, it would be completely unrealistic if all of them, you know, survive in terms of that. So that's why I'm thinking it's more right before he leaves to go um, to, to at, with Infinity War. Well, I will say Feige has said that it's right after Endgame. <clears throat> Picks up okay. right after Endgame. I originally, I, I originally threw out the theory <laughs> after Infinity War that remember Peter was on uh, seemingly on a uh, coming back from a field trip. Um, that's what he told Stark. Um, I originally was okay. just like, oh, so it takes so this movie leads right into Infinity War, um, and then finally was like, nope, it takes place right after Endgame. I was like, oh, well, that theory is in the garbage. Cool. Uh, <laughs> put a lot of a lot of thought into that. Yeah, but uh, all right, Feige, because um, all of it kind of lined up. Like it seems like that was the exact story. Like whatever happens in this, because we know he's on a field trip, um, you know, on his way back to New York from this, this whole crazy field trip that he was on, boom, Infinity War. And I was like, oh, that's genius. 
that's genius. So you can market this movie, you can do whatever you want, because it has nothing to do with Endgame. And then, like, right as I was saying that on air, I think, like, Joel came on and was like, oh, no, 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 no. Feige just said, like, it's right after Endgame. I was like, are you serious? Like, I wrote this stuff down. I really <laughs> thought about it. Like, you know, like Kevin Feige, like, you are, you're an evil genius, man. Um, but, yeah, it, it, this, with the, the Mary Jane love interest thing, I think is unique, because what they're doing with Zendaya's character is she seems so devoid, like, emotion. Um, so it's like you're not gonna get that CW love lovey dovey stuff. She kind of just seems more of like, nah, whatever. I honestly think she's gonna find out he's Spider Man in this movie. Um, they kind of tease it a little bit with her at the end of uh, Homecoming, so where she's like, where you gotta go? Like, what, what are you hiding, Peter? And like he gets like super nervous and she goes, nah, I'm just, I'm just playing with you. I don't care. Um, I was kind of like, ah, she's probably gonna figure out that he's Spider Man at some point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fun to see what they do with it. Um, mainly because it's like, it, it obviously is going to be one of the biggest points of this movie, but of course, Peter trying to save the day is going to take top billing, but how they work all that out, how they work all that out will be very interesting. Um, Mike, I want to go to you. I want to ask you a two-sided question. I think you answered this on last week's episode, but I kind of want to ask this again, kind of going back to homecoming. How much did it bother you that you did not get uh, with great power because it's great responsibility in um, in Homecoming? Like, not even a mention of it, not even a mention of he remembers Uncle Ben and, and his wise words, just something um, that kind of alludes to it. Like, that, did that truly bother you, or or are you okay knowing that you'll probably never hear that line used? Um, no, I still think we'll get it down the line. Energy? I still think we'll get it down the line. I understand why they kind of want to distance themselves from it. I could do without them making jokes about it, basically. Uh, but it didn't bother me not being that. They wanted to make sure that they did not touch the origin. Because I remember whenever when Amazing Spider-Man was coming out, and they were like, oh, it's not going to be the same origin story. And then it came out with the same origin story again. And it's like, I really got to – I'm as tired of seeing Uncle Ben die as I am of seeing uh, uh, Martha and, 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 and you know the Waynes dying again. I don't need to see that again. I know that happens. Everybody knows that happens. My mom doesn't care about superheroes, and she knows that shit happens. Okay, so I didn't need, I didn't, I didn't need that again. Uh, as far as Far From Home, uh, let me walk you through my, my, my feelings when I'm watching this trailer. For the first minute, when it looks like the same wannabe 80s movie with the uncomfortable romance between Happy and Aunt May, which is just like nothing that I care to see. It, yeah, it just it, it like I just said, it felt like it just it wants to, it, like it's pandering to this 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 crowd that grew up in the '80s, and I don't feel like it's real. But once Nick Fury shows up, it feels like a different movie. First of all, you're putting Ned down for the rest of the movie. I hope that's awesome. I don't need more Ned in this movie. Uh, but what have I always wanted in a Spider-Man movie that we have never gotten? Well, I want a special effects and illusion expert. I want a master hypnotist and magician. I want an amateur chemist and roboticist. I want Quentin Beck. I want Mysterio. And not only do I want Mysterio, I want Mysterio with the fishbowl, and I'm getting that. So I'm happy even if it's got Jake Gyllenhaal with the really bad-looking Thor cosplay. That's fine with me as long as he's got the fishbowl on, man. I, I'm excited for that. So Mike, first half of the trailer, do not, mm, do not diss my man, Jake Gyllenhaal, man. <laughs> I, love, I think it's a phenomenal actor. Prisoners is one of the best movies I've ever seen. I love Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal, so I, nothing against yeah. that. It's just when he showed up with that with that costume, I was like, oh, that kind of looks rough. But but again, then I saw him with the fishbowl, and I was like, I'm in. I'm totally in. So I went from 
not this shit again with the first minute to, okay, and then hell yes by the end of it. And yeah, anybody who knows anything about Mysterio knows that what's going on in that. And I don't want to just completely spoil it for anybody, but anybody knows what's going on and why Mysterio is going to be the real villain of that movie. So, yeah. Sure. I, I did want to ask you, um, I'm not a huge score guy. Um, I, I do love scores, but I'm not like a guy like, oh, I know who did that score. Oh, I like that. Yes, sir. I did want to ask you, um, Mike, when you first see uh, Mysterio kind of just like swoop in, um, the music that they were playing with, with the strings and the horns of that Spider-Man theme, like, did you enjoy that at all? Or was it kind of just yeah, like, fun. nah? It was fun, right? No, that's, that's a nice nod. I, I was cool with it. Uh, I mean, you said you grew up watching the Spider-Man animated series. Well, I did too, man, because the 60s one was in syndication when I was a kid, so I, I watched that too. So, of course, that song. I mean, my three-year-old kid, he doesn't he doesn't know a ton of songs, but he knows that Spider-Man song from the 60s. He tells Alexa <laughs> to play it all the time. So, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a nice touch. It's like it felt like it was done well, whereas in Justice League, where they tried to put the old Batman theme in there from the Tim from the uh, the Tim Burton Batman, it was just like, dude, guys, you guys are trying too hard. Same with the Superman theme in that movie. In fact, can we just forget Justice League ever happened? All right, because uh, it's always going to come back to the better BBS. But uh, no, I'm a huge, huge score guy. Uh, before uh, I went into business, I really I, I'd always wanted to major in music, so I, I spent years studying music. So yeah, I, it, I feel like. A really good score can take a, a, a C minus movie and make it a B plus if it has a really, really solid score. I think I might have mentioned yeah. it before. It might have been on my podcast. Just look at Tron Legacy. That movie was mediocre as hell, but it had an amazing score done by Daft Punk. And all of a sudden it was like, you know what? This is pretty damn good. And I think it might be because of the music. So, yeah, I think music is very, very important. As far as that theme into the Spider-Man, cool. It's a nice little touch. Do I need it for the whole movie? Yeah, probably not. And In fact, with, with nah, this version I- of Spider-Man – uh, I think they're going to probably try to throw in some 80s pop music, kind of like what they did with the 90s music in Captain Marvel. Probably. And I'll say that that scene probably won't be in, in that movie until maybe the end credit scenes, like um, after the, the first end credit um, shows, like maybe they'll play that. I just thought for that specific scene, it was just really cool. It was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it for was sure. Also, one of the things I felt like we didn't get a lot of um, in the other two um, sagas of Spider-Man, is Spidey hitting that pose? When Peter hit that pose after he got hit with the water, I was just like, yes, yes, I need more Spidey poses. Like, I feel as though we don't get enough Spidey poses. And his poses are possibly the most sharpest I've ever seen someone pose. Like, I mean, you know, Batman yeah. kind of lurches on the edge of things, um, but, but Spidey just, like, hits those poses, man. And, um, sure, and I need to that's see another flip, thing. Flip. Say it again. I need to see some more thwip thwip. I'm not seeing as much of him with the with the you know the the metal finger the metal horns when he's doing the thwip thwip. I yeah. need more emphasis put on that. Damn it. Listen, <laughs> I'm I'm to complain about I'll, I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. Um, but I, I don't even say, care if they do like in Spider Verse and they put up the word thwip thwip on the screen when he does it. That might be a little too far go, for some people, but <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they'll go that far. But I could. I would love to hear a little bit more of it. Um. I will also say it's funny because you're not the first person I heard talking about um, Mysterio's costume. It's just funny because it's like every time I picture it in my head, I'm like, isn't that what the costume always looks like? But maybe I'm seeing it differently. Maybe I have to see it again. Um, I I think everyone's kind of focusing on, like, the circles that he has in it. It's kind of shaped the same way that Thor's are. It kind of does look like Thor's entire getup. 
but I mean, to me, it's like who knows if that's the the final the final costume um, that well, they go yeah, with. The way it, I mean, that's the way it looks. So I mean, I, I can see the comparison there, but uh, yeah. no, it's it's fine, and it's kind of like the Iron Man three thing where everybody's like, why is he like wearing like one arm and one like. I understand what they say. I'm not going to pay Robert Downey Jr. $50 million to just have him be in CGI the whole movie. I understand that. So I understand why they had to have, hey, we got Jake Gyllenhaal. They weren't going to just like not show his face. So I mean, why else? Why else? Then why don't you just get a CGI character just to play, you know, and just to have somebody voice him if that's what you want to do. So I I understand why they had to do it that way. It just, it it was, it was kind of, it kind of made me chuckle at first. But like I said, then I saw the fishbowl and I'm like, "Ah, take my money. Yeah. And, and I do want to thank guys like, uh, Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal um, because we've seen so many times um, of big name actors wanting to take these roles but then saying like nah I kind of want you to show my face 85% of this movie and it's like dude your character wears a mask like no you, you need to be in your mask um, and it's like you look at a guy like Jake Gyllenhaal that's very good looking and it's kind of like for him to say yeah Put all this beauty in a fishbowl really shows that he was appreciative of this character um, and, and is going to take it serious in a sense of giving us as much accuracy with the character um, that we deserve. I mean, again, Mysterio is one of those characters from the comics you look at, not exactly like Vulture, but somewhat, so where it's kind of just like, this character is just a joke. I mean, I, I remember thinking Aquaman was a joke. Do you think I'll ever say that to, to Jason Momoa? No. <laughs> right. Like, no. Like, Aquaman is, to me, he was, like, the coolest guy right after Batman, like, after I saw Jason Momoa uh, was going to be Aquaman. So I think Jake Gyllenhaal can do exactly what Michael Keaton did and take a character that's somewhat boring and plain to look at and bring so much life to it. Um, and that's one of the biggest things that I thought about the director did in the first one is that Vulture looks so scary and so opposite of what his comic, uh, his comic counterpart was. And that, to me, is what makes the MCU great about what they do with their villains, you know, right up until they kill them, um, is how it, they completely, like, dismay the idea of, like, whatever you, imagine, uh, you remember it looking like in the comics, we're going to make it look cooler. Don't worry. We're going to make it look so much cooler. Like, um Stark's armor in that Endgame trailer, the the one where it's him, Cap, and Thor walking up to Thanos, that is an exact replica of the original Iron Man um, costume from the comics, the one with the yellow circle in his chest. Um, but look how much cooler they made the outline of that, that armor look. Um, and that's why I love what they're able to do. And Mysterio looks like he's going to be cut from the same cloth. Like, it just, it, he looks cool. And then when you see the fishbowl, you're like, Thank God Jake Gyllenhaal didn't use his fame and, and beauty to, to ruin the fishbowl. Like, he's, he's actually using it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, what you were saying, Mike, about soon as – first of all, stop disrespecting Ned. Um, and second of all, Whatever. when, when uh, Fury does come in, I do get the feel of, like, yeah, this movie's going to be different, like a different feel. Like, obviously it's not going to be Winter Soldier serious, um, but it might not be homecoming jokey. Um, like, there might be elements of this where Peter just has to step up. Like, you have to realize it's not always a joke, man. you got to be the hero. Um, I did want to ask you, Mike, what did you think of the new suit? Um, first of all, the noir suit, um, and then the newest suit that, that, uh, that Peter has. Did you like any of those designs? 
I need to see the Norris suit a little more. And, you know, right now, all I can – you say that, all I'm going to think about is Nicolas Cage and Spider-Verse now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yeah, more of that. But I, I need to see more. I mean, one of the things – obviously, the, the Steve Ditko version of the Spider-Man suit is always going to be my favorite, being a fan of the classic. Uh, but they've changed his, his costume so many times in the comics. And you know what? About nine out of ten times, I always end up liking them. So – I'm going to assume as long as, you know, we've been talking about the, the PS4 game a lot tonight. One thing I didn't like was that stupid whiteout spider on, on the costume. I thought it looked absolutely horrendous. But as long as we don't get something like that, then, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. they got to sell new toys, right? Absolutely. And I, I will ask you this. Um, before I pass it to you, T, I will ask you this because me being a huge Batman fan, I've always hated how no one's been able to accurately get that symbol on his chest. Like, no one, no one in the movie-verse has been able to accurately nail that logo on his chest. I thought Finn's was the most simplistic, but just beautiful. Like, that's how you do it. It's just so simple. Like, that's great. Um, I did want to ask you, how do you feel about the, um, the Spider-Man logo on Holland's costume? You can just speak of the one in, uh, from, from Homecoming. Um, did you think that that was an accurate one? Or were you looking for something more so like um, the original comics towards the original cartoons? I didn't care for the Iron Spider look. I, I, the suit's growing on me. I like the glowing eyes. I think that's really slick looking. But the uh, but the when he showed up in Civil War, I was like, this is perfect. That's Steve Ditko Spider Man. I'm I'm all I'm all about that. Yeah, I thought it looked perfect. Yeah, I remember. I was I, I was working at Target when uh, that Civil War trailer dropped, and I remember I was in the break room. There was like four or five ladies in there. And I remember seeing the end where you see Cap's shield just kind of like disappear and you see Spider-Man land on the car and say, I got, I, I, I remember screaming. Um, and they like, they jumped up. They're like, what's wrong? I was like, Spider-Man's in the MCU. And they were like, we don't know what any of that means. Um, <laughs> I was just like, you guys like you suck at life. Like go, go tell your grandkids this so they can enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was just such a great moment. Like as huge as that is, as that was, seeing the Fantastic Four and the X Men show up will be way bigger than that will ever have been. Um, because yes that and is no. Thing. Say it again. Yes and no for me. Spider Man just that's always been my favorite Marvel superhero, so it's it's hard to get bigger than that for me. Only thing they could do that could make me be over that is Doctor Doom. That, that's fair, it, and I'll say this, um, Disney was at, obviously, CinemaCon, and, um, you know, we were being told that they did a sizzle reel that ended with showing Fantastic Four and X-Men being part of, obviously, now being part of the MCU, and the idea of picture over the past 10 years, we've seen the scroll at the beginning of the movie show, Iron Man, Thor, Guardians, or Ant-Man, everyone, Captain Marvel now, just the idea that Ten years from now, that scroll will have had Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Kamala Khan, um, you know, possibly down the road we can get the Dark Avengers. Just the idea that this world has now become humongous. Um, but listen, I, I understand where you're coming from and, and that Spider-Man being huge to you. Because um, at that moment, that, that was so huge to me. Um, Spider-Man being back home and seeing him interact with Iron Man. Like, that was just, oh. Mwah. But anyway, Tia, let me go to you before I keep going down memory lane. Um, 
I, I do want to ask you, I, I kind of feel like with, with Homecoming that that moment, and again, this is to the, the point that I was making to Mike on, um, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. The biggest reason why I think we won't get it is the moment that you should have given it to him was after Vulture kind of tricks him, collapses the building on top of him, and he's trying to find inner strength to get himself out of it. He's screaming for help. Obviously, there's no one there to help him. Um, he's so scared. He's so frightened. I thought that was the point. You bring him back to something, um, something that can kind of give him confidence. And remembering Uncle Ben say, with great power comes great responsibility. By the way, having Tobin Maguire cameo as Uncle Ben would have been uh, amazing. Um, but I, I thought that was the perfect time to, to throw in that line. Uh, would, do you think that was that was a great time to throw in that line? And also, I do want to ask you the same thing I asked Mike. Do you think we'll ever get get that phrase? Um, I have three points. First of all, the fact that Tobey Maguire came out and said that he wouldn't essentially say no to playing another superhero. I would love the idea of Tobey Maguire playing an MCU Uncle Ben, even if it's just in a flashback or something. That would be so cool. The fans would freak out. They would love it. Um, as far as that scene, yeah, that would have been a perfect um, opportunity for him to kind of embody that. I kind of, So I have like two feelings with that line is that I almost feel like we're never going to get it. I feel like it was almost uh, just kind of for the past. We've heard it. Uh, it's iconic and maybe it just doesn't fit with this uh this peter parker just because um, at this point uncle ben is already dead but say they incorporate in far from home right it would be like Mm -hmm. it would be someone else who said it would be ned who says it i don't think nick fury would ever say because it may be a line that he something maybe even him uh peter and mysterio because you know at this point they're marketing him as a quote-unquote good guy. Maybe he even comes out and says the line one day while him and uh, Peter are speaking, something like that. I feel like if they're going to throw that line in, they're going to do it unexpected, and they're going to do it from someone unexpected. It's not going to be a flashback moment with uh, Ben. It's not Peter going, you know, once my uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. They might just Kevin Feige might just throw us all for a loop and have someone completely random say it. I almost feel like though it's going to be Ned because he seems like, you know, that hype to actually say something like that. It's funny you said that, Tia, because now that you said that, I'm actually leaning away from the the stance I was on before I asked you this question because I honestly think now, and Mike, I'm curious of, of what you think, I think we might even get it um, right before Peter leaves, think now that Aunt May knows that he's Spider Man, I think we might even we might even hear from her like she might say like Peter be saving. He's like Aunt May, I know, I know, and she's like, what did Uncle Ben always used to say? And he might That'd say, I know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like That'd I know Aunt May, I have to go. That would be nice. like I could That'd see that. Nice. I could see that definitely. But Mike, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that would be perfect. You just nailed it. I, mean, I couldn't even have thought of it as good as that. That's great. If Ned says it, I'll throw something. I'll throw my my, my popcorn soda at the screen, though. 
Stop I, I love Ned. No, we do not you. love Ned at all. <laughs> I will also say to you, your point of fury uh, intrigues me a lot. That's why I was glad I didn't cut you off and I let you finish. That's how I got the Aunt May idea. But when you said fury, I was thinking of, we know Peter um, is going to have a down moment in this movie where he kind of loses. Um, it could even be when he's embarrassed with the whole Mysterio coming to save everyone thing and him not, not remembering his suit. But there could be a really low moment for Peter. Um, and you could have Fury having that really serious moment with him where he kind of just goes, you know, this isn't all fun and games. Like, with, with great power comes great responsibility. And you just kind of see – you kind of the camera kind of pans over to Peter and he kind of just has his head hanging down low. And he kind of looks up and then, like, Fury's gone. Um, and, and then that always sticks with him. Like, with great power comes great responsibility. But not as to the Aunt May thing. Like, I desperately need that now. Like, if it's not there, I'm going to be really disappointed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I did want to, because I feel like we haven't gotten off topic today enough. So I want to get completely <laughs> off topic like right before we end the show. Um, it was because, it's because of Mark. Mark is like the good yeah. energy for this, and he's, he's brought like the building. He's the glue. Yeah, he's brought... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark came and brought the stability. How dare you? Um, but yeah. I do want to get off topic for like the last few minutes that we have. Um, so you're going to bring up uh, Ben Affleck as Batman? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going to stick Miller with the MCU. Flash? Oh, oh. I'm going to stick with the MCU, even though I could, gl- I could definitely talk about Ben Affleck's Batman for years. Um, uh, Juwan, but no, really, yes, Juwan, really quick. I hate to like, I hate to cut you off, but we need to have a thing that every show we do that you mention Ben Affleck's Batman, we take a shot. We're guaranteed going to be tipsy by the end of or every how single show Nolan's that we do. Batman isn't that good. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that. yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely. And what's crazy is I don't even need anything to set me off to talk about either one of those two. It just just comes out. Um, so, yeah, I don't think a drinking game would be, would be smart with me mentioning those because I'll probably mention it a lot. Um, but I, I will say um, I do want to talk to you guys about uh, – because Joel hates to theorize with me um, about these things because he wants to go into movies completely blind. And I'm like, no, I need to talk to somebody about this. I want to talk to you guys about Endgame um, and the new trailer we got with the, um, the release of, obviously, the ticket sales. Um, I want you guys to give me one huge theory you have from – it's been about three trailers now, honestly, if you count the TV spot that we just got the other day. Um, excuse me, Mark, I want to start with you. What's one of yeah. your biggest theories heading into Endgame? Yeah, so this this was a theory I had after Infinity War, even before the trailers came out, and I, I've held through it, through everything. I think one of two people – are going to end up killing Thanos or, you know, stopping it at the end. It's either going to be Tony or it's going to be Nebula. Because storyline-wise, those two, you know, have, you know, Tony, obviously, you know, we need Iron Man to go out in a big flame if he's going to go out, Um, you know, just saving, you know, the day and all that stuff. Um, But I think the underrated thing is, is Nebula, you know, her sister dies, you know, at the hands of Thanos and, you know, all these other people. And, you know, it just, it feels like that, you know, if you're going to have someone, you know, you don't want to use one of the big ones or maybe you don't want to kill any of them off, 
she's a good one to just slide in there, have her take herself out to take Thanos out, and then happily ever after. You know. Yeah, I I like that, and I will say I think it's become. I think we as fans have inflated this idea of someone having to die a little too much. And I think the MCU has also. Um, I think what the MCU has to remember at the end of the day, you're a comic book movie. You know, comic books are just like soap operas. No one's ever dead forever. Um, So it's like it's a little overrated, the idea that we need someone to die. Like, this isn't The Sopranos. Like, None of this is realistic. So it's like I don't need anyone to stay dead. And, um, Mike, you know, you know I've been upset about this. It's like, wait, hold on a second. We're talking about possibly killing off some of the main Avengers right as we get X-Men and Fantastic Four. Really? That's now when, when you think it's smart to, to say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and, yeah, possibly Cap, possibly Stark, possibly Thor. It's like, no, that's when you keep these guys. Because if we ever get the idea of doing X-Men versus the Avengers, I don't want it to be the new Avengers versus the X-Men. No, I want to see Charles Xavier um, and Tony Stark. I want to see Cyclops and Cap. Like, I want to see Storm versus Thor. Like, I want those battles. And the idea that we may never get it because, you know, Kevin Feige's like, nope, every, you know, every book has an end, so we got to close it. And it's like, not really, no, they're, they're comic book characters. You, you can keep them alive. Um, but no, I, I do like where you're coming from, Mark. I think Nebula I, might serve a role as a um, as a sacrifice. I mean, she yeah. she obviously has so much hate in her heart for, for Thanos already yeah. for how he raised her. Um, but now on yeah. top of that, uh, him killing Gamora, I can completely see her spin out of control going to try to take him out. Yeah. Um, and her sacrifice is what gives them an opening for an attack that maybe takes out Thanos, but I completely yeah. could see this movie ending with no uh, no Nebula. So yeah. I wouldn't be yeah. shocked and, at all. And, and to just clarify a little bit, the, the first person to bring that theory up and get my brain working is Anthony, the other person with the main Damien here um, that popped that into my head. Um, so I want to make sure I give credit there before I get an angry text message when this podcast goes up. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, so, no. I, yeah, I completely so just, understand you, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, nah. yeah, but I, I feel like it's one of those we go back as talking about Feggy, where he likes to take a little twist on something, and you know the whole universe is saying, "Oh, one of them has to die. One of them has to die," and then his kind of middle finger at the end is that none of the big ones die. It's this other one that makes more narrative sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Kevin Feige um, is ballsy enough to have had this movie end. All of them survive. Um, I thought he yeah. was ballsy for killing off all the new Avengers instead of the old <laughs> ones that we thought were going to die last movie. I do not think Kevin Feige is ballsy enough to have all these guys survive. He's just not. They've built it up to where it's like someone has to go. Like, someone has to. Um but, Mike, I want to pass it to you now. What's what's a huge theory you have um, heading into Endgame? This is going to sound so boring to you guys, but I don't have any. Uh, I didn't watch the last trailer. Uh, kind of What I said was uh, that I didn't need anything else from Game of Thrones. I don't need to see any trailers for Game of Thrones. Everyone's so desperate for Game of Thrones spoilers, and I'm like, I don't fucking want to know. Why are you guys looking this stuff up? 
You know, I don't want to know. And then you just complain it got spoiled for you. So I really don't have any theories for this. It's insane. I mean, people bring up the Nebula thing. And if I recall correctly, it's been like 20 years since I read Infinity Gauntlet. But I'm pretty sure she steals the Infinity Gauntlet in, in yeah. while, while, while Thanos is like off with death or something like that. So I, I could I could see them maybe doing something like that. But I guess if you say what I, what I brought up last week is that I think to leave the door open for Chris Evans to return after he's off done finding himself or whatever he's going to go do is they're not going to kill him off. They're going to do some, they're going to have some kind of time travel thing where he gets to go be with Peggy. So I, that's the only one that I've been kind of sticking with is they're going to find a way to have him be written out, but with that door, that trap door available to return if he chooses to. So I know that's kind of yeah. boring. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm along for the ride on this one. I don't really have a bunch of crazy insane theories. Now, Listen to our Game of Thrones show on Tuesday, and you'll hear lots of theories. But for this, I don't really, I don't really have <laughs> No, listen, I, I, I don't blame you at all. Um, that's why I said at, at the beginning, Joel hates this. He hates when I do this. Um, it's funny to you because Joel said he's going to text you and tell you that um, after you see the movie that you're not allowed to talk to me because he knows I'm going to ask you for something. <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, he wants me to go in completely blind. And I'm like – I, I'm okay being spoiled by things. Like, I, I kind of want to be in the know. Um, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to let you. I'm going to tell you, like, nope, she can't. She can't tell you anything at all. Um, so be expecting well, that soon to you. That's funny you say that, and I hope I'm not, like, breaking any rules right now. But Kanan and I were talking, and he was telling me some things. And he was like, you know, I'm telling you this at your own risk. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah tell me and I was like wait 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 no 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 don't tell me actually no 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 I was like it was like one of those like I wanted to like you know look at it through like my hands you know but I still wanted to look but then I was afraid and I was like no I, I chickened out don't actually don't I'm fine I'm fine don't tell me Kanan. yeah I will say I will say first of all let me let me stress this it was completely my fault but I hated Kanan because he um he got me spoilers for Infinity War um on on who was you know, obviously going to be um, snapped. And when I saw it, because it was uh, when, when I read it, I was just like, oh, no, I so wanted to just see this. So then when I got to the point to where um, Stark got stabbed, it didn't affect me like it did everyone else. Because I'm like, I read the freaking spoilers. Like, I hate that. I hate that I read it. Because, like, I wanted to be as shocked as everyone else was on the idea that he could have possibly died right there. So, like, I hated Kanan so much for it, but it wasn't his fault. It was obviously mine. Um, but, yeah, I, I completely hate Kanan for that so much. Um, so if the opportunity arises for Aiden Game, I, I, I'm saying now, like, no, I, I don't want to see anything. But, like, I'm such a weak individual. I'll probably give in. Um, but, yeah, yeah I, want, I wanted to go to you. Uh, what series, if you have any, uh, what big theory do you have heading into Endgame? Um. And really quick, I keep doing this, but Kelly had the opportunity to see Infinity War before I did, and I went up to her, and I was like, all right, tell me. And she's like, are you sure? And I was like, all right, but Loki, does Loki die? And she was like, and she was like, she was like do you want to know? And I was like, yes. And she's like, yes, he dies. And I was like, oh, she's like, within like the first five minutes. Like, oh, no, why did you tell me? Now I'm so upset. I was like, this ruined my whole day. Um, so, yeah, I get you. I get you. Um, but <laughs> the two theories I have is, I re- and this is like, 
I say this, and people are like, you're such an Iron Man hater. And I was like, no. I love Robert Downey Jr. I love Iron Man. Like, but I really do think he's going to die. I just Team see that happening as just a, uh, a story line, you know, that, like, he dies. Like, that would be such a, like, huge, like, it would impact the whole entire uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, to be the culmination of these 10 years that we've had the man who started everything. I don't want it to happen, but if you're looking at storytelling wise, it almost like would make sense that he would be the one who's killed off, but like in the most meaningful of ways, you know? So that's like my one theory. My other is I want to touch upon a theory that actually got out to the internet is that the cat that we see interacting with Tony is not in fact present-day cast, but in fact, 2012 cast, because there are theories, and I don't, and I guess spoiler alert, but these are just theories, they're just rumors, um, that present-day cast dies in a battle. So then they go back in time and get 2012 cast, and I almost think it makes sense, because in that scene in the trailer, right, where Iron Man goes, do you trust me? And Cap goes, I do. And they shake hands. And I go, well, why does that interaction go like that? Because if anything, it should be Cap asking that to Tony because, you know, Tony finds out that Bucky killed his parents and then Cap knew and that's what started, you know, not started the whole thing, but kind of, you know, uh, bow-tied it all. And so you would think that it would be Cap like asking Tony, like, hey, after all this, you know, and after all the bitter feelings, you know, do you trust me? And Tony going, I do. So the fact that it's the opposite way around makes me feel that Tony is telling 2012 Cap all the events that happened. And he's like, well, do you trust me? And Cap's like, yeah, you know, I trust that you're telling me the truth right now. And people are saying that the re- that they CGI'd uh, the current uniform over the uniform that we saw in the original Avengers. So that blew my mind that if that actually happens, because first of all, I am so desperate for present day Cap and present day Iron Man to make up finally, you know, in infinity war, when Bruce was telling Tony, like, who cares? You have to call Steve Rogers. I was like, Oh, finally it's happening. They're going to reunite. And then, Obviously, Tony gets distracted by, you know, whatever's happening outside, and that didn't happen. So if they rob us of the reunion that I am so desperate to see since Civil War, I'm going to be pissed. I don't care that, well, it's still Cap and Tony. No, it's not the right Cap. 2012 Cap still likes Tony. You know, Tony still likes 2012 Cap. Like, we need present-day Cap and Tony to reunite. So that's one theory I kind of wanted to touch upon. And actually, no, your thoughts, Juwan, do you kind of buy into that theory that the uniform that we see him wearing is in fact edited for the purpose of the trailer to throw you off from the fact that that is the cap that we got from the first Avengers? Well, I'll say this, yes. But I also want to say it's disgusting how much money Disney has that they could throw money on false edits. 
Um, it, 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 it's disgusting. It, it, it's a spoil of riches. The, the idea. Say it again, Mike. Would be the first time they did that with the throw people off on Infinity War, putting Hulk yeah, in the trailer. But, yeah, but think about this. Think about the idea that they have so much money that they can spend yeah. on like fake scenes, fake edits. It's just like you guys suck. <laughs> they need they need to throw some of that money to Warner Brothers so they can actually properly CGI a mustache off. Yeah, huh. Warner Brothers yeah. is like. Warner Brothers like nah, always nah, comes nah, back we, to we justice. Stick the budget. Telling you. <laughs> we stick the budget over here. Well, Disney's, Disney's like, nah, man, we shell out the Dell. And Warner Brothers like, nah, man, we hold on to it. We we really hold on to it. You know that whole mustache I, debacle that we could have made work? Nah, nah. I, I got this we one theory to I wanted to throw at you real quick, Juwan. And this isn't yeah, mine. Absolutely. This is a friend of mine who came up the other night when we were at the, the bar watching the Astros game. And this is kind of crazy, but it's kind of been sticking in my head. He has this theory that Loki has been pretending to be Bruce Banner this whole time. All in the oh, Infinity that'd War. Be so cool. That was actually that'd Loki, so and that's cool. why he couldn't Hulk out. And I was like, okay, so what happened to Hulk? And he's like, oh, easy. He was still on the ship when it exploded, and he's floating in space, and he's going to land somewhere, and that, was, that way they're going to set up Planet Hulk. My, and I started I thinking, like, out. I don't I think this is going to happen, but I kind of love it. <laughs> The only, I'm a, the only thing I'm a huge that, Loki fan, and I want just Tom Hiddleston. Well, they're doing that Loki, Loki series on Disney Plus, so I was like, okay, that, I, I'm this. I don't think that's going to happen. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> the only thing that kind of disproves that a bit is that Feige said the reason Hulk doesn't come out after the fight with Thanos is that oh. Hulk just got tired of of always saving him. Like he's like, no man, like and. Again, this 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 isn't just like oh Kevin Feige just saying that to throw us off. In Ragnarok, saw that. Put Robin in his movie. So, I mean, these guys lie. <laughs> very true. Um, but no, think back to, to Ragnarok. Hulk was very. Um, Hulk said, "You only like me for Banner," and Banner was like, "You only like me for Hulk." So there was obviously a divide between the two of them. Um, that they didn't. They obviously didn't really like each other. Hulk didn't like that he was being used. Banner didn't like that the Hulk was even in his body. Um, so I, it makes sense. It makes sense that Hulk finally was like, listen, I stood up for you, and you had this guy with no warning to me that just completely watched my ass. Like, no, 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 I'm not coming out to save you anymore. I'll come out when I'm ready. Um, and, and I personally think one of my theories on, on Banner, the thing that gets Banner to Hulk out is Thanos kills Black Widow. I think he kills Black Widow, and it angers him enough to where he comes out. Um, a lot of people are going with the idea of those two meshing. Um, it, it, it could happen, yeah, it could happen. Or it could be the idea that they just have an agreement. And once he hulks out, they just say, listen, I won't hide you, but you allow my consciousness to, to flow through you while you're the Hulk. Um, and I like that idea. I think you could have that moment be that's what, that's what Black Widow, you know, um, is. I don't want to say sacrifice, but that's where she dies. And that's something that would obviously be big enough to, to make the Hulk just go, you know what? I can't, I can't be on the sidelines anymore. I, I, I got to come out now. Um, I don't know. But, no, my, my biggest theory from seeing the, the last trailer is that they face Thanos not once, not twice, but three times in the course of this movie. I'm going to assume the first one is once Marvel uh, lands. She kind of talks everyone into it. That's why you hear Banner kind of going – um, we're shorthanded. Like, you, you, you want us to rush out, but we're shorthanded here. Um, 
she rushes them into battle with Thanos. They obviously lose. They don't die, but they lose. The second time is I think Thanos attacks the Avengers uh, headquarters, which is the scene you kind of get where Ant-Man is kind of like crawling on like staplers and pencils. Um, I think Mm -hmm. he attacks the Avengers headquarters. And then I think the final battle is between the original Trinity and and Thanos, Um, which, by the way, can I just say, Russo Brothers, please don't ever leave the MCU. That shot, oh. and again, I don't necessarily think it's it's all connected, maybe, but that shot of the three of them just walking towards Thanos, and Thanos has his sword in the ground, and he's just sitting like they don't, right, don't matter. Go watch this damn Jesus Christ. Mike, you, you, you're going to have to, man. It was so cinematic. You know what it reminded me of, Mike? And I know we always we always joke about how bad BVS is. Scene where the Batmobile hits Superman and it goes flying, and then that <laughs> shot of Superman walking towards him with his cape flapping That's in the gorgeous. Air, that was I thought that was such a beautiful shot. You don't understand. Shot. That, that trailer like, oh had me so fucking hyped, and then they put out that one after, and it was garbage. But that trailer there from, from, uh, from Comic-Con had me so hyped, and yeah, that was a big part of it. Or Batman just standing yeah. up and they're facing each other. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah that, was, that was such a great well, shot. So in this, you kind of get a shot of Stark kind of walking um, with his helmet off and in that iconic suit. Um, and then you get that shot at the end with Stark, Cap, and Thor all walking towards Thanos, and he's just sitting down. And the new, uh, 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 not, not trailer, but um, TV spot that they had, um, or even in the in the trailer itself where Thanos goes, like, you lost. And, like, all that brings you right here to me. And it's just like, just can I just say, whoever's writing Thanos' lines for Infinity War and what seems to be for, for Endgame just in the, the trailers, his dialogue seems so ballsy, just like I'm so better than all of you. Um, just the idea of him saying, after all that failure, where does that lead you? lead you right here to me. It's just like, oh, I, I need this movie in my veins. Juwan, you um, are not going to be strong enough. You are going to be texting me afterwards. I'll be texting me. Tia, I made sure I stressed to you, I am a very weak individual. That Tuesday morning, the first thing I'm going to tell you is, Tia, like, Good morning. How are you doing? You're like, oh, great. I'm at work, and I'm going to go, I don't care about any of that. Tell me everything. <laughs> I'm going to do like I do a full I'm going to sign off of Twitter. I'm going to get off Facebook, all that, because I don't want to know. I'm going to be honest with you, Mike. I was thinking about um, through the course of Game of Thrones, like the course of the weeks for all the episodes, I would just not have Twitter installed on my phone, um, just so I'm completely in the dark of everything. Because I don't I – don't, usually watch things live. I might catch it the next day or, or, or later on that night. I don't, want to know, I don't want to know anything about Game of Thrones. It's funny for Endgame because 10 years have built up. So it's like if I'm losing one of these people that I've, that I've fell in love with um, and that I need for like the next set of phases, um, I want to know so I can prepare myself. So I need to bring well, See, I've been reading Game of Thrones since 2000. So I, I know exactly how you feel. Oh, okay, then, then, then perfect. So I, I'm completely invested, and it's like these trailers, it, again, Mike, I, I want to stress to you, if, if you don't want to see these trailers because you want to be completely in the dark and walk in with, with such a clear mind, please don't let anything that we said make you go and watch it. I want you to keep that, that blanket mind so, like, you didn't see anything leading into it. 
Um, I won't look for this, it, but if I see someone like retweet it or something, I'll probably look at it. I'm I'm, I'm weak this. in that regard, but not weak with spoilers. I'll say this: if you see it, don't watch it. Just listen. Listen to the dialogue of it, because the dialogue alone gets me hyped. Like if I never saw a video and just listened to it, the dialogue sounds so freaking dope. And just also what I was told uh, that they showed the first, uh, they showed five minutes of the movie at CinemaCon, and what I heard from the five minutes. Oh, I might need to, like, inject this movie into my veins. Like, that's how much I'm excited for it. Canon didn't believe me, but I just bought the AMC thing for um for three three movies a week. I got tickets for four, four, four days of this movie, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He's like, BS. I'm like, no, 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 I'm dead serious. Like, I need to see this movie four times. Um, but I didn't even realize the time it is. Um, Mark, Mike, Tia, I want to thank you all so much for joining me on an all-new episode of Geeks Against the Grain. We were able to cover Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and, weirdly, Endgame. Um, but I had so much fun with you guys. Um, stay tuned for next week. We have no idea what the episode will be about. Um, but it will be equally structured. Um, but stay tuned for next week. Make sure you guys stay tuned for Top 10, Geek Lives Lives. Um, I would pass it to you, Mark and Mike, but we literally have like two seconds until we go off air. So until next time, guys, we will see you same time, same place. Peace. Have a good night. Good night.